Welcome to the Shelf Made Podcast, your weekly snackable size podcast for the consumer packaged good industry. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Shelf Made Podcast. Before we jump into our conversation with Matt Bennett from Dreams Aren't This Good, want to do a few housekeeping things. First of all, um, Behind the Buyer's Desk, episode three is now out. Uh, it's the last episode of the podcast. It's also on our YouTube channel if you want to watch the video. Um, really great conversation with Nick Ozen from Infra. Infra is so different in terms of other retailers and and really what are they and how do they work with their over 250 retail partners. So I think it gets really technical and we really dive into some topics that we just didn't cover in the other two episodes. We've got episode four launching in this week with Wade Yenny from Jimbo's. Obviously Jimbo's four locations in SoCal, a marquee retailer that your brand has to be in, especially in the natural and specialty space in that SoCal area. You know, everyone always says Erewhon, but you know, Jimbo's is, is right up there um, in terms of retailers that you need to be in, in that space. And Wade's awesome. I mean, just super down to earth guy, give great answers, very personable, um, and, and gave some really actionable steps for brands in terms of how to approach that retailer. Uh, and then the last thing that I wanted to announce is that we did um, release the fact that we're going to start doing sampling at WeStock. So it's available to all of our growth tier brands. Um, we've partnered with an awesome partner who's going to be handling all the logistics. All you do is ship it to them. They pick and pack everything. We then measure where those customers shop. So we're getting you in front of new customers. We're measuring that data. We're driving them online with a coupon that we uh, redeem actually half of it. So definitely reach out to us. You can reach out to me directly, Cameron at WeStock.io. I think we're going to be completely full, um, to be honest, by the end of this month. Um, the outreach um, and the response has just been tremendous. And we are so excited about that program. And, and how do we help put new brands? You know, we've helped so much on the data side. Now, how do we help your brand get in front of new shoppers on a daily basis? Uh, with that, I did want to now introduce Matt Bennett from Dreams Aren't This Good. I really hope you enjoy this interview and take away some great things that can help grow your small brand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Shelf Made Podcast. We are here with Matt Bennett from Dreams Aren't This Good. Um, they've been on the platform uh, for a few months now. I've uh, been really intrigued by the branding, the product, and, and really impressed by uh, the company that they're building, especially early on. So I wanted to get Matt on the podcast to kind of talk about his background, why they started uh, Dreams Aren't This Good, and, and kind of where the brand's going this year as we start to highlight uh, more of our emerging brands that are on the platform and not just kind of like industry leaders on the pod. So Matt, thanks so much for for being on. Uh, love to start with just a little bit about your background and and kind of how everything started with uh, with Dreams Aren't This Good. Yeah, yeah, abs yeah. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I think, you know, my background, it's a good, it's a common question, right? Just in conversation and curiosity to people. And I think my background, how I share it is really you know, it's diverse in the sense of I focus on brand and kind of that story. Um, and this is my fourth venture, um, all different industries. So, you know, I don't have 20 years of like food CPG branding. Um, and I think just those ventures combined with just life in general have really prepared me 
I'd say for what we're doing now as a, as a, as at, at the core, a chips and salsa company. So, um, you know, as a, as a brand, as you said, it's called dreams aren't this good. Um, I say we're the world's first lifestyle salsa brand. Um, kind of what connects with people generally is like Red Bull, right? Now we're, we're a totally different product, obviously. Um, and we're not creating our own category, but marketing lifestyle, or at least the aspirations of um, really infusing people's lives into the product and purpose into the product versus just, hey, buy my thing on a shelf. Um, and then kind of the, the Ben and Jerry's of the world, which is part of um, what we're trying to do as a, a brand for today's consumer is how can we kind of Ben and Jerry salsa, um, really create uh, core flavors that speak to people and that help their brand grow. But how can we differentiate ourselves in creating uh, our craziest flavor is a blueberry coconut salsa. So definitely out of the box. No other brand is doing anything close to it. And how can we eventually, as we go, um, really have community-driven brands that also connect to the causes? So we donate five cents for every jar uh, sold or bag of tortilla chips sold. So we make both products. So the consumer gets the full experience. Um, and then how do we really amplify that message of our, our flavor partners and how do we give back to those authentically, even in a small way adds up. So kind of piecing it together a little bit differently than most brands out there. And, uh, and again, that kind of just comes back to overall vision of the company. And so you're, you're in a really saturated space, right? It's super competitive with, with salsas and, and on the chip side. I do think it's you know smart to do both, right? And, and cross merchandise that and get the product into multiple areas in the grocery store. So is the biggest part that you're differentiating yourself from the competition, the flavor or the, or the branding, or is it a combination of both? And is that kind of your main beachhead that you're trying to establish? Yeah, I'd say both, right? Um, you know, on the flavor side, if you're talking more just product, you know, like if we were demoing, which we can't now, but, you know, in general, just having conversation, um, we say, you know, we focus on flavor, not heat level. So we don't do mild, medium, hot. It's like, this is the experience you're getting. If, if you want to switch flavors, you're going to get a different experience. Um, and that's really connected with people. One, because not everybody wants spicy per se, uh, but two, it just, it gives you a different emotional feeling, which is therefore tied into the piece of the brand, right? Like how do you package it differently, which we have black and white packaging highlighted by the flavor color. There's no jalapenos on our jars. There's nothing, right? Um, and so simple, clean packaging, building a brand in a way that is ultimately almost trying to not focus on all these key ingredients or aspects of a product, especially salsa. Um, it's more about the flavor that you're getting. Uh, where is it coming from? Why do you like it? And how does it make you feel? Um, versus, you know, if I wanted to do it the opposite way, basically in short, I would have called it Matt Salsa Company. And that's not exciting. <laughs> right. No, no, I, I agree. I think, I think the, I think a lot of brands go into the market not understanding that it's not just about 
I can go out there and make the best salsa or any other product, right? You have to understand what the category has right now. And I think it's interesting because like my last company, we, you know, we sold chocolate hummus. And so when we went and we pitched our product, it was never like, oh, like if I bring on your chocolate hummus, I got to take away the garlic hummus that I already have on the set. And they didn't like, they're just like, oh no, like the customer's going to buy both, right? It's incremental sales to that category. And that, that lifts all boats. And so I think that when you're yep. going and pitching to the buyer, it's a really strong pitch, right? Cause you're kind of like, Hey, listen, like we're not taking any away from your mild, medium and hot salsa. This is another experience that the customer is going to take along with that. And, and, and we're going to help kind of raise the sales of the entire category. Um, so with, with, with that, I, I know you're, you're, you're yep. relatively new in the space and, and relatively just starting to get traction. What's been the response rate so far? What's been the traction? What are, what are some of the wins that you've seen uh, come in and starting the brand? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, we're two years in, so I, you know, I launched the company in April of 19. So literally this is two years. Um, and I think, you know, we've learned so far that I would say we can, we definitely can sell product, right? Which is the first thing, at least for me, I was like, I don't even know if this is going to sell, right? Like, I know it's, I know it's good, but there's so many aspects to what the consumer is seeing and why they're buying it, right? Um, and so I think we're getting good traction, we're getting good feedback, which I am super thankful for. And and I think our team has really done a great job so far to present something that is different on purpose, right? Like we're we are purposely trying to do the opposite of every brand out there. And so in that sense, the more we push toward what we actually want to do, the more traction we're really getting because that's the consumer that actually wants to buy the product. So I think, you know, right now, num I mean, number wise, you know, we're in almost 400 accounts and, you know, whether that's great or not, I don't really know. <laughs> like, I don't have a measuring stick. I think it's incredible, but more so is like, how do we make those accounts better? Right? Yeah. Like, how do we, how do we get the recurring sales improved from what they are? Um, and we are getting recurring sales. Um, we're seeing recurring orders, which is amazing, but it's hard to, you know, and, and, you know, from experience, like, how do you get, you don't know who the consumer is really when the store level. So how, how can we improve those types of things and what feedback and traction can we grow? And then, um, and also how can we do better online? Like where we can, can kind of control and have the, the conversation with the consumer, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And how did you guys adjust because of COVID? I mean, what, what kind of, how did that hit your business? And then how did you adjust initially, you know, this time last year? Yeah, so, so this time last year, I was in the process, I was like at the goal line of getting an SBA loan and, and COVID hit and they're like, nope. <laughs> and so- you know, and it's all served its purpose. You know, we're still going, we're growing, thankfully. Um, we're in the right business, food business, thankfully. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's continuing to, we also have a bigger distributor. Um, we've grown from our, you know, kind of mid-tier per se distributor to a larger one 
um, that I think is putting us in a better place and getting us, you know, more and better accounts. And, and that's growing. But I think it's been interesting during this time because the challenges of growing during a time where most people aren't is one, just kind of a bit weird to shift through personally um, because you want everybody to be doing well. But then I think too, it's the challenges in a way are you're on the right path. And this is where we are today, like having this conversation as well. It's like, we're growing and we're moving in the right direction. And we, you know, I think we, I believe we have the right recipe um, to get to the next level, but yet there's some, in some way there's restrictions within the COVID timeframe of raising capital, finding capital partners, things of that nature, because it's just where the world is. So actually upon having success of growth, it's some ways made it harder to get capital because that's more tied up per se. Yeah, I know. I mean, as a tech company, we, you hear all the time, like, oh, there's so much money out there. And then it's like, you're like, well, why am I not getting <laughs> So it's like, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. Like I think too, on the brand side and, and the food and beverage side, it's like you hear about the same 30 to 50 brands all the time on LinkedIn and it's the same wins. And it's just a regurgitation of like the same couple companies you see winning and succeeding. And obviously we know it's a lot more brands than just that. So you can feel isolated and on an Island and like, it's very tough to like really prioritize like what you should be focusing on. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it seems like you did a great job kind of weaving through the last year. So what, what's on the docket for, for 21, what's a good 21 look like for you and, and where are you kind of headed by the end of the year? Yeah. I mean, our goal right now i would say we have the opportunity to so as of january with a new distributor i think we now have opportunity well i know we have opportunity to grow not only deeper in the market that we're already in which is probably you know heavily new york city area um we're in some in connecticut but now we reach all the way down to virginia so D.C., Virginia, Maryland is starting to grow. Um, it was totally untouched territory three months ago. And now we probably have 50, 60, 70 accounts there. Um, and so I'd say number one goal is to start further connecting really from Virginia to New York. Like that footprint of the mid-Atlantic to Northeast, um, you know, we really need, and it's a hard way. And I'm continuing and, and our team is continuing to like have to be patient <laughs> because I see opportunity every store we walk in. I'm like, dude, we could be crushing in this store, right? If, it, if it's a good store. Um, but, you know, in the West Coast, we could be in L.A. crushing it. But there's so many factors. So I think the number one goal is to try to if opportunities come awesome. But the main thing is, how do we own our territory? And that could take a year, it could take six months, it could take two years, whatever the case may be. But how do we really grow deeper in the territory we are? Um, and then how do we find better and more accounts, right? And, and really try to own the footprint we're in before going elsewhere and trying to, because I know what this has taken, 
Um, I know the bigger picture is 100% possible, but we need to, to, we need to own our backyard per se, right? Um, and then I think two is, well, there's three things I'd say. One is that two is stepping into places or spaces or verticals, whatever you want to call them, um, that other brands can't really play in because they don't really share that DNA, brand DNA, um, you know, i.e., breweries i.e hotels like not giving our whole strategy away but we as a brand based on the things kind of quickly shared but you know that recipe that we've built so far i think we have massive opportunity to almost step away from stores in a way and be like okay stores are there we want them we want to build those relationships but we actually want to own the other lanes you know very similar to the oatly model right? Oatly went into baristas and then now they're like blown up. I mean, they've been around forever in Sweden, but at the same time, like the organic growth, it's like, that's the focus that we want to build and we've wanted to build, but COVID wouldn't allow it. Right. So now that hopefully if the world can open up a little bit, we really want to start owning and playing in the spaces where our consumers are. Um, And then three is just, I'd say raising capital raising growth capital to add to the team, to improve operations, to crush marketing the way that I envision that we can really upgrade that um, and really build the brand versus so much focus on the product. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously last year with with so much on-premise business going away, um, you know, it's... I think that too many people aren't realizing like, oh, it's going to come back really quick um, and they have to be prepared for it. And so they think this is a huge opportunity right now for brands that are positioning themselves to be on premise and get some business that they didn't have before. And they're going to be kind of scrounging for brands to bring in. Um, the, the next few months is, is really a big opportunity for that. I think too, like the way yeah. that you're building it out, um, having driving product trial in places where your customers are at so that you're exposing the brand to them and they're not right. purchasing it, but then you're driving them in store or on your site. If that's the way you grow. I mean, you look at yeah. Sir Kensington, right? Like yeah, Bear, Burger, yeah. Bear Burger was such a big thing for them. And, and it's a 30 store burger chain, but like it's got such a cult following and people used to see it on the countertops. And from there, they just kind of grew out as like, if you're going to have a high end place, like you're going to carry Sir Kensington. So yeah, I think, I think everything you're doing is awesome. And I think building out that playbook in your backyard and then expanding it, like that's what I preach every single day. And so I think the brands that kind of spray and pray and grow way too fast and, and just kind of say, Hey, we're going to go wherever kind of a a retailer reaches out to us. Sure. New doors looks great, but like reorders and velocity, like that's crucial. And that's really the way you're going to grow your business. So um, yeah. you know, Matt, I really appreciate it. What's the, what's the best place that people can uh, find more about the brand? Um, and, uh, yeah, kind of wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, so websites, dreams, aren't this good.com literally spelt out, um, or Instagram is our primary focus. Uh, so at, at D A T G cartel. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah. I really appreciate it. All the best yeah. luck in 21 and, and look forward to continuing to work with you, man. Yeah. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We will be back next week with another great episode of the Shelf Made Podcast. And remember, like I said at the beginning of the show, to check out Behind the Buyer's Desk on our YouTube channel. It is easily our most well-received, most watched piece of content, and everybody loves it. Uh, The buyers do such a good job of opening it up. Check it out. Let us know what buyers you might want us to interview in the future, and we will do our best to get them on the show. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.